In today's brief, we'll talk about advances near Verbova, drama with Poland, and Abrams. I'm Linnea, and today is Wednesday, September 27, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that on Monday, September 25th, Russian losses included five tanks, 19 armored combat vehicles, or ACVs, 39 artillery systems, one multiple launch rocket system, or MLRS, and 400 personnel. Yesterday, Russian losses included three tanks, four ACVs, 38 artillery systems, and 320 personnel. The British Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported that Russian forces continued local counterattacks near Bakhmut in Donetsk Oblast and Orykhiv in Zaporizhia Oblast, but failed to regain any lost territory. Comments in the Russian info space suggest, quote, extreme disillusionment among those involved in these counterattacks, especially near Bakhmut, with reports of ill-conceived advances, lack of artillery support, and heavy casualties, end quote. In the Eastern Theater of Operations, Ukrainian armed forces are reportedly within firing distance of one of Russia's logistics routes, called GLOCs or Ground Lines of Communication, on the Bakhmut front. According to Ilya Yevlash, the Operational Command East spokesperson, quote, One of the roads that we can already target is the bakhmut Horlivka Highway, which is three kilometers from the contact line. This is the working distance for our mortars and UAVs. We are continuing to sever these routes now and will keep on doing so in order to cut off resources for the Russian group on this front and inflict the highest possible losses on it. End quote. In the Southern Theater of Operations, the GSAFU reported that Ukrainian forces have continued pushing forward near Vitobova in Zaporizhia Oblast, while the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, reported that, according to Russian sources, Ukrainian forces broke through defensive lines into Vitobove on September 22nd and continued pushing east, occupying half of Vitobove as of September 24th. The same Russian source, affiliated with Russian Airborne Forces, or VDV, accused the Russian MOD of trying to conceal Ukraine's progress in the village. Geolocated combat footage posted on the 24th shows a Ukrainian infantry fighting vehicle, or IFV, operating in western Vitobove. Some assessment. While the AFU clearly continues to advance on the Zaporizhia front and have been geoconfirmed to have reached both Vitobove and Novoprokopivka, we would caution against accepting as fact any information coming from Russian sources, official or otherwise, that has not been corroborated by other sources. In the Black Sea, the British MOD stated in their intelligence report on September 26th that recent Ukrainian strikes on Russia's Black Sea fleet have caused, quote, almost certainly severe but localized physical damage, leaving the fleet capable of performing basic combat operations such as cruise missile strikes and local security patrols though its ability to enforce the de facto Russian blockade of Ukrainian Black Sea ports has been diminished and the fleet has likely been forced into a reactive posture. Just touching quickly on the temporarily occupied territories, 
There are numerous media reports of a massive explosion at a Russian ammo dump in Krasnodon, in occupied Luhansk Oblast. Russian forces reported a Ukrainian missile strike in occupied Crimea, claiming Russian air defenses intercepted a missile near Belbek Air Base in Sevastopol. On the home front, the Russian missile attack on Odessa overnight on September 24th to 25th killed two and caused significant damage to port buildings. It also damaged nine buildings in the city's historic center, according to Ukraine's Ministry of Culture, including the windows and facades of the Vorontsov Palace and eight buildings on Primorsky Boulevard. The Odessa city center is designated as a World Heritage Site by UNESCO, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Russia launched a drone strike on the night of September 25th to 26th, attacking with 38 Shahed 136-131 kamikaze drones. Ukrainian air defense reported that 26 of the drones were intercepted, and there was a hit in the area of the Dunai River along the southwestern border of Ukraine, damaging border infrastructure and vehicles. Human rights lawyers are working in collaboration with Ukraine's public prosecutor to prepare documentation to submit to the International Criminal Court, or ICC, accusing Russia of intentionally causing starvation among Ukrainians during the full-scale invasion, focusing in particular on the siege of Mariupol, during which humanitarian aid corridors were blocked or targeted by armed forces, while food and water supplies within the city were destroyed. The dossier also includes information about Russia's attempts to restrict or prevent entirely the export of Ukrainian food products and the destruction of Ukrainian grain facilities. According to Ukrainian officials, 270,000 tons of grain were destroyed in late July and early August alone. Speaking of compiling dossiers about reprehensible behavior, let's talk about the Russian Federation. Some pretty gnarly allegations have arisen regarding the International Committee of the Red Cross, or ICRC. Ukrainian telegram channel Deep State recently posted an interview with Ukrainian combat medic Orest Trutsyuk, during which Trutsyuk, who was a prisoner of war in Russian captivity for nine months, alleged that representatives of the ICRC in Moscow took part in the abuse of prisoners of war, saying, quote, They came there, their Russian representatives, We walked there and sang songs. They filmed all this, laughed there, slapped us on the shoulder and called us all kinds of bad words. End quote. The ICRC has previously been in a bit of hot water for collecting military gear for the Russian army as so-called humanitarian aid and facilitating deportations of Ukrainian civilians from occupied Mariupol in eastern Donetsk Oblast. On Sunday, a Ukrainian unmanned aerial vehicle or drone struck the Russian Federal Security Services, or FSB, building in Kursk, according to Ukrainian intelligence. On the same day, another Ukrainian drone was, quote, safely force-landed on a runway at Russia's Kalino airfield in Kursk Oblast, where it subsequently exploded and caused multiple casualties among the leadership of the Russian 14th Zhdanov Guards Fighter Aviation Regiment, including the commander, one of his deputies, a group of officers, and a representative of the FSB military counterintelligence. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. 
If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. In News Worldwide, the drama with Poland was diffused somewhat, with Polish President Andrzej Duda claiming that Polish Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki was misquoted due to a bad translation on the part of Western media sources. So, back on September 20th, in the midst of a bit of a trade dispute with Ukraine over the import of Ukrainian wheat, corn, rapeseed, and sunflower, Prime Minister Morawiecki was reported as saying, quote, Ukraine is defending itself against the brutal Russian attack, and I understand this situation. But as I said, we will protect our country. We no longer transfer weapons to Ukraine because we are now arming Poland, end quote. According to President Duda, Morawiecki meant that the new weapon systems Poland was purchasing were for building up their own military, clarifying that Poland would not be cutting off military aid to Ukraine, saying, quote, The words of the prime minister were interpreted in the worst way. In my opinion, the prime minister just said this, We are not going to give Ukraine new weapons which we are now buying as part of the modernization of the Polish army. There is no need to raise the level of emotions, as this is a dispute, he means the trade dispute, that concerns a very small segment of Ukrainian-Polish relations, end quote. Duda added that he would be speaking with Zelensky, but in private, quote, face-to-face as two friends who want to resolve difficult situations and talk, end quote. On September 24th, Duda announced that Poland had prepared transit corridors through which Ukrainian grain could be exported, more or less putting the trade dispute to rest. Ukrainian President Zelensky presented state awards to a Polish journalist and a Polish volunteer combat medic, thanking the Polish people for their support, saying, quote, I am proud that Ukraine has such a strong neighbor. I would like to thank you. I would like to express my gratitude to the entire Polish people to all the people who, from the very first days, opened up their families and their homes to refugees, opened their hearts, and helped. Any challenges on our common path are nothing compared to the strength between our peoples. End quote. President Zelensky visited Canada late last week with new Ukrainian Defense Minister Rustem Umerov meeting with federal cabinet ministers to discuss the progress of the Ukrainian counteroffensive. On the 21st, Canada's House of Commons unanimously adopted a resolution condemning Russia's deportation of Ukrainian children, which read in part, quote, The House of Commons condemns, with equal firmness, the Russian authorities for the war crimes and genocide constituted by the forced deportation of Ukrainian children to the territory of the Russian Federation, in particular through an abusive selection process known as filtration and re-education camps, end quote and called for the immediate safe return of Ukrainian children to Ukraine. According to an interview with outgoing Estonian military intelligence chief Margot Grossberg, Estonia's military intelligence agency tipped off Ukrainian intelligence about an impending Russian airborne assault on Kyiv's Hostomel airport in the initial hours of the full-scale invasion. Estonia has maintained surveillance on Russian airfields near their border, for obvious reasons, and observed the buildup of Russian airborne forces in the area, sending a warning to Ukraine before troops had even set foot on the aircraft. Some quick assessment here. 
It's very likely that Estonia's intelligence and Ukraine's subsequent defeat of Russian forces at the airfield before the transport planes could arrive enabled Ukraine to thwart Russia's primary military objective and retain control of the capital. Florida man and Republican presidential candidate Governor Ron DeSantis stated on Glenn Beck's podcast that he opposes NATO membership for Ukraine as he believes it isn't in the United States' security interest and adds more obligations to the country without increasing benefits to U.S. citizens. While recent polling by Razom indicates that Democrats are largely supportive of continued aid to Ukraine at 87%, the issue is much more contentious among Republicans, only 48% of whom responded in favor of continued aid. Let's talk military tech. Ukrainian Minister of Digital Transformation Mikhailo Fedorov announced on the 21st that the AFU is testing the ironclad unmanned vehicle in combat conditions on the front lines. Ironclad is a robotic vehicle that can be operated remotely from a safe location and assist Ukrainian armed forces in executing a broad range of missions, including reconnaissance, fire support, and even storming positions. The wheeled armored drone has a thermal camera, is armed with a Shablia M2 turret, and can reach speeds of up to 20 kilometers per hour. Following his visit to the United States, President Zelensky announced that Ukraine and the U.S. have a long-term agreement to jointly produce weapons. Quote, This is a new level of our unity. Co-production in the defense sector with the United States is a historic thing. A new industrial base new jobs for both our nations, end quote, noting that Ukraine would be able to produce air defense systems in particular. According to the New York Times, the first American-made M1 Abrams tanks have already arrived in Ukraine months ahead of initial delivery estimates. While the New York Times source didn't specify the number of tanks delivered, the shipment is the first of 31 Abrams pledged by the Biden administration. Canada will be joining Team F-16, according to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who announced the country will send F-16 trainers for pilots and maintenance, quote, so Ukrainians are able to maximize their use of donated fighter jets, end quote. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone.